Welcome to Gracefield Grit. I'm your host, Lana Stinner, and we are chatting all about growing your faith, family, and the backyard farm. Here at the Gracefield Homestead, we are having honest, hard, and authentic conversations with some amazing guests about getting back to the basics and what's important in life. We are not for everyone, and we don't clean up our conversations, so you will get the unedited chat. Each episode, you can expect practical tips and encouragement. I am so honored to have you join us today, so grab a cup of coffee and let's do this thing. Hey, friend. Welcome back to the Gracefield Grit Podcast. I'm your host, Lana, and we are chatting all about the backyard farm today. As of this recording, it's now fall harvest time, and we are sharing all about what worked and what didn't work this past summer planting season. Oh my goodness. Wow. We learned a lot. And yes, we've been here for over 20 years and are still learning new things and experiencing hardships and wins along the way. So we're going to share about our top three losses and our top three successes. So let's rip the bandaid off and go there with what didn't work first this year. The obvious biggest loss of our year was the bees. And most of you already know about our bee drama that happened at the end of the summer, right before our honey harvest. And I'm not going to go into the entire story here again, but I did talk about it more in depth in episode 143 in the second half of that show. If you would like more details on the chief's near death experience with our bees, a quick summary is that after losing a hive last year at the end of the winter, we purchased a nuke set from someone new. They were very, very aggressive. These bees were just crazy all season long. It took a lot of smoke to get them to calm down, but they did produce the heck out of the honey more than we've ever, ever had. So we really didn't care. And we're used to getting stung here and there. So no big deal. One afternoon, they came after CJ while he was on his mower that he had used a million times over on that side of the property. And we think it was around under 20 stings, but they were different and very severe, unlike any stings that we've ever had. And basically, he passed out. His throat closed up. Ambulance was called, epi shots, ER, and the whole works. I mean, it was just absolutely crazy. He's fine. He was fine that night. He went home, but it kind of freaked all of us out. And so we, (laughs) we made the decision to sell the entire apiary, which was five hive boxes. So stinking full of honey that you couldn't even lift them. I mean, the guy that came and bought them, he brought all of his friends trying to load them all up because they were so, so heavy. And he knew the whole story and he was comfortable knowing these were extra aggressive little demons. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so needless to say, our honey harvest didn't even exist this year, but I still have a husband. So we're counting our blessings on that. So you may remember that my son Colton has bees, has had bees in the past, and he lives on a small farm across the street from us in his Super cool barn dominium. So the chief is handing over his beekeeping hood to me and I'll be adding more hives across the road. So kind of a bummer, but we're, we're glad that uh, my husband's still alive. So there's that one. So on to the second struggle of the season, 
blackberries. We had a massive blackberry patch for years and years and years, and it has given us so much fruit every single year that we've had it, but it was awkwardly placed right in the middle of our raised garden beds long before we even built the garden out. So they are super invasive and just take off and they will sprout up like six feet away from where they're even their home bed is. So they were constantly popping into places that we didn't want them in the middle of like our peppers or our tomatoes. And they really do suck the nutrients out of those other plants. So we had decided we were going to dig them up and move them over to the fence line on the front of the property. We have so much going on on the back. It's kind of like a mullet. Uh, all business in the front and party in the back. And so we just have so much space in the front. And so we decided to use some of that and move them to the front of the property. So a few of the plants survived, but they did not thrive. And they were a little mad at us for moving them. So although some of them had healthy stalks and leaves, we got zero berries off of those blackberry plants this year. So that was kind of a bummer. However, I do think next year will be better and their roots will be more established. So they're alive. They're just, they didn't produce any fruit. So we're looking forward to that next season. So a very interesting note here, something else we learned when we were preparing the new location out front close to the fence line, we wanted to use the no-till method, which in my opinion is the easiest, cheapest, and it keeps the weeds out. So if you're doing a new garden bed, it's totally the way to go. It goes directly over the grass. Now, this is assuming that you're not using chemicals on your grass, especially if you're planting food. You you could get away with it if it's flowers and you're not eating it. So with that no-till method, we put cardboard down over to cover the grass wherever the bed is going. Then we placed a layer of hay, leaves, and compost down over the cardboard, so to totally cover the cardboard. And then you are supposed to put a layer of good, like potting garden soil. So in our cheapness over here, trying to save money and time, we decided to use our own soil out of the compost bin. So our hay layer that went right down directly over the cardboard. It came from the chicken coop with manure in it. So that was awesome. And we wanted to use our own compost pile soil, which we've done in the past, but we did take a shortcut this year with the compost soil and it wasn't completely broken down. We got in a hurry uh, and we paid the price for it. So normally that's not that big of a deal. We've done that before, but this time in that compost soil that we had been turning, it was our last year's garden and kitchen cleanup that had watermelon seeds, sunflower seeds, cucumber seeds, eggplant seeds, peppermint, and zinnia of all things. So the concept is with this no-till garden layer method that there is no weeds because the cardboard layer prevents them and that it all breaks down together once it's watered and it rains and all of that. So most of the nutrient-dense soil for your new plants, it works that way. The blackberries that we were moving would be in this wonderful nutrient-dense garden bed. 
So in theory, it should have worked like it had in the past for our other plants, but it didn't at all. <laughs> Instead, the baby blackberry shoots didn't have strong enough roots, obviously, and all of those seeds that were in our young compost soil that had been turned a couple times, but not as much as it should have, that should have waited another six months or so before we used that soil. So what happened is it all sprouted out and took the nutrients from our blackberries. That's what we're thinking what happened. So it really was the funniest thing. And it got to be a joke that we would walk out together before dinner to see what had sprouted in our blackberry bed. All kinds of things, but not the blackberries. So all tied together in a small four foot area, we had watermelon, huge sunflowers, taller than any of us, cucumbers, eggplants, peppermint herb plants, um, and orange and pink zinnia flowers. What the heck? It was absolutely hilarious, all packed into this really tiny area. So all that to say, even if the blackberries didn't thrive, all the other wild things did. And it definitely, you should try that no-till method for an easy garden bed. Just make sure that your top soil layer is actually soil that has been broken down. So the third thing that did not work for us this past season was blueberries. We planted some new ones. They were also in the front, kind of down a little bit from that new patch. And there's no water source up there. So we were wanting to go with some of the berry patches that you just, they're kind of low maintenance and you, they don't need a lot of water or any of that type of stuff. Um, normally here in Kansas City, we get rain at least once a week through the spring and summer, but we did have a couple of long stretch right after we planted with no rain. So I think that that was a big part of the blueberry problem as well, but we already know that blueberries like acidic soil. We planned on adding some coffee grounds around the plants and we got busy and we just never did it. So at least we know what happened and we can fix it all next season with the blueberries. Okay, so enough about what didn't work. Let's move into the top three things that did work. First of all, chicken-wise, we had the best season we've ever had. We added chicks last fall. Most of you know that I love fall chicks more than spring even, and it paid off. Like, it was huge, huge. They are still laying like crazy. We have about 20 chickens, not including Toby the turkey, Guinevere the goose, and the handful of ducks. And we are getting over two dozen eggs a day, meaning some of them are laying twice in 24 hours. And they've been doing this since, I think it was um, March, April. I mean, they started laying pretty early. It's just nuts. It's wonderful. And it's also a bit overwhelming to figure out what to do with them all because we don't have a farm stand. We don't sell them. So our friends and family are getting a dozen eggs every time they see us and they're probably over it by now. Of course, we are water glassing them to preserve them. And we've moved some of the glass jars away from that and into the five gallon food grade buckets. Um, so we just have hundreds and hundreds of eggs. 
So my son and daughter-in-law are, uh, they have a freeze dryer. So they are going to be processing some of that for us um, in their freeze dryer as well. So, and that is great for baking or taking camping or disaster planning, whatever you want to do with that. So I'll keep you posted on how that all goes, but chickens were a huge win for us this season. Everything went very smooth. We didn't have a lot of predator problems. Um, This was probably in many years, our best season ever. So our second big win of the season has to be tomatoes. We plant all kinds of things over here, like peppers and potatoes, squash, green beans, peas, carrots, radishes, all the things. I could keep listing all kinds of things. However, we pretty much mass produce tomatoes over here. It was supposed to be 50 plants divided between our four raised beds that make up the two tomato vertical tunnels that you can walk under. But I think it ended up being more like 75 plants, which really is too many for us. Um, We've canned them. We've frozen them. We've made salsa and sauce while eating them every single day straight. Um, I kind of need a break from tomatoes right now. I'm kind of over it. (laughs) So we have freezers full of them. I think four different freezers between all of us, um, even out in the carriage house where my daughter's living out in the apartment out back. Um, we're just packed to the brim. And so we will be processing those from the freezer with some more canning and recipes, maybe even in January. That's what I like about freezing them. And there's some misconception out there that you can't freeze tomatoes and you totally can. I think it's better if you're using them for something that's going to be cooked Um, just because of the consistency, but we love freezing them. And then when we're bored in January after the holidays, but we're not doing a lot of fun stuff outside yet, we can get in there and um, break it back out and do some more canning. So that was a huge success for us. And I will say if you are new to homesteading or starting your backyard farm, pick one thing and master it. We did that both. We had had chickens. We had had tomatoes years ago, but we were just having a lot of predator problems with the with the birds and our tomatoes. We would get a lot of rot and we just didn't know what we were doing. And so we just really dove into it and did some research and um, it really paid off. We've kind of mastered it. And um, I highly recommend just picking one thing at a time do a lot of research, dig into it, master it, and then you can move on to the next thing. So the third big win was our grapevine harvest. We've had grapes for probably 10, 15 years, and this was our biggest harvest yet. And I think it's because the chief went out there last fall and pruned them back more than ever. And I actually was a little irritated at him thinking that he killed them all. It was so sad looking back there, but he obviously knew what he was doing. And we've always pruned them, but he went a little more extreme this time, but it worked. So um, we've already made some jam. We've had so many and we didn't have time to process them. It does take a lot of time to process grapes because you have to pull each one of them off and all of that. Um, and so we have, uh, my son's freezer is just packed, packed with, 
um, all kinds of grapes in the bags. And so we will see what we're going to do with those. But um, it was a great season for our grapes. One last bonus win that I'll share with you is our dahlias. Even though they aren't a veggie or fruit, I think I've overcome a hurdle with this fussy, high-maintenance flower. When it comes to flowers, I've always been drawn to the simple perennials that don't need much attention and they come back year after year, like the zinnias. It's just hard for me to spend a lot of time on the flowers when we have those things that we can eat, the veggies and the fruits. And so I do like the the simplified versions of the flowers. And so I have this love-hate going on with dahlias because they are so beautiful. I love them. They're huge and dreamy, but they are super high maintenance and have to be dug up every year in our zone, which is 6B in Kansas City, Missouri here. They don't like the cold winters, so they can't stay in the ground. So three years ago, I struggled so much with them. I had planned on writing a blog called Dahlias Are Dumb, Don't Even Try It. Even if I got them to grow so late in the season, they were so huge and top heavy, they would fall over or break off. So what was different about this year? They were in a raised bed for the first time ever, and that just makes them easier to tend and get to. I did lower my expectations, and I knew that they would be coming in and blooming so much later than any of the other flowers. And we did add some trellises to stake them. So I kind of treated them just like our tomatoes, the indeterminate tomatoes. Those grow all summer long. They just keep growing. They're still growing right now. And they get up to about eight or nine feet tall. And that's why we have them in that tunnel. And I treated the dahlias the same way. It was a shorter trellis, but I clipped them to the trellis so they wouldn't fall over and break. So... I will probably still be cussing at them under my breath when I dig up the tuber roots next month because they can't stay in the ground over the winter here, but it will be much easier in a raised bed that the soil is not completely impacted down. So that was an extra special bonus win this past year with the flowers and kind of a hurdle that we've gotten over. So there it is, our top three backyard farm struggles at the Gracefield Homestead and the four with the bonus, those are the wins. Growing your own food and venturing into the simple life that is less dependent on the commercial food system is so rewarding. We do love it, but it's a lot of work and a lot of ups and downs. As you see, even our losses or struggles, we can find a silver lining and a workaround to help us be better next season. Now is the time to prep that new no-till garden bed so it can sit and break down over the winter. Gardening is every month of the year and the fall months can be the most fun as you prepare for the peace and rest in winter and plan for next spring. Thank you for joining us today in this episode of Gracefield Grit. I know that your time is valuable and I truly appreciate you being here. I hope it was helpful and that you'll share it with a friend. In order to schedule amazing guests on our show, we could use some good reviews. So if you've enjoyed this episode, I'd be honored if you could head over to the podcast app on your phone, tap the album art for the Gracefield Grit podcast, scroll down to the bottom of the page and write a review. 
I'm looking forward to our next episode and I hope you'll join us again. Blessings to you today, friend, as you live out your own grace-filled grit.